Section nine of New Arabian Nights by Robert Louis Stevenson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. The Pavilion on the Links, Chapter One, tells how I camped in Graden Seawood and beheld a light in the pavilion. I was a great solitary when I was young i made it my pride to keep aloof and suffice for my own entertainment and i may say that i had neither friends nor acquaintances until i met that friend who became my wife and the mother of my children with one man only was i on private terms this was r northmour esq of graden easter in scotland we had met at college and though there was not much liking between us nor even much intimacy we were so nearly of a humour that we could associate with ease to both misanthropes we believed ourselves to be but i have thought since that we were only sulky fellows it was scarcely a companionship but a coexistence in unsociability northmour's exceptional violence of temper made it no easy affair for him to keep the peace with any one but me and as he respected my silent ways and let me come and go as i please i could tolerate his presence without concern i think we called each other friends when northmour took his degree and i decided to leave the university without one he invited me on a long visit to graden easter and it was thus that i first became acquainted with the scene of my adventures the mansion-house of graden stood in a bleak stretch of country some three miles from the shore of the german ocean it was as large as a barrack and as it had been built of a soft stone liable to consume in the eager air of the seaside it was damp and draughty within and half ruinous without it was impossible for two young men to lodge with comfort in such a dwelling but there stood in the northern part of the estate in a wilderness of links and blowing sand-hills and between a plantation and the sea a small pavilion or belvedere of modern design which was exactly suited to our wants and in this hermitage speaking little reading much and rarely associating except at meals northmour and i spent four tempestuous winter months i might have stayed longer but one march night there sprang up between us a dispute which rendered my departure necessary northmour spoke hotly i remember and i suppose i must have made some tart rejoinder he leaped from his chair and grappled me I had to fight without exaggeration for my life and it was only with a great effort that i mastered him for he was near as strong in body as myself and seemed filled with the devil the next morning we met on our usual terms but i judged it more delicate to withdraw nor did he attempt to dissuade me it was nine years before i revisited the neighbourhood i travelled at that time with a tilt-cart a tent and a cooking-stove tramping all day beside the wagon and at night whenever it was possible gypsying in a cove of hills or by the side of a wood i believe i visited in this manner most of the wild and desolate regions both in england and scotland and as i had neither friends nor relations i was troubled with no correspondence and had nothing in the nature of headquarters unless it was the office of my solicitors from whom i drew my income twice a year it was a life in which i delighted and i fully thought to have grown old upon the march and at last died in a ditch 
it was my whole business to find desolate corners where i could camp without the fear of interruption and hence being in another part of the same shire i bethought me suddenly of the pavilion on the links no thoroughfare passed within three miles of it the nearest town and that was but a fisher village was at a distance of six or seven for ten miles of length and from a depth varying from three miles to half a mile the belt of barren country lay along the sea the beach which was the natural approach was full of quicksands even i may say there is hardly a better place of concealment in the united kingdom i determined to pass a week in the sea wood of graden easter and making a long stage reached it about sundown on a wild september day the country i have said was mixed sandhill and links links being a scottish name for sand which has ceased drifting and become more or less solidly covered with turf the pavilion stood on an even space a little behind it the wood began in a hedge of elders huddled together by the wind in front a few tumbled sand-hills stood between it and the sea an outcropping of rock had formed a bastion for the sand so that there was here a promontory in the coastline between two shallow bays and just beyond the tides the rock again cropped out and formed an islet of small dimensions but strikingly designed the quicksands were of great extent at low water and had an infamous reputation in the country close in shore between the islet and the promontory it was said they would swallow a man in four minutes and a half but there may have been little ground for this precision the district was alive with rabbits and haunted by gulls which made a continual piping about the pavilion on summer days the outlook was bright and even gladsome but at sundown in september with a high wind and a heavy surf rolling in close along the links the place told of nothing but dead mariners and sea disaster a ship beating to windward on the horizon and a huge truncheon of wreck half buried in the sands at my feet completed the innuendo of the scene the pavilion it had been built by the last proprietor northmore's uncle a silly and prodigal virtuoso presented little signs of age it was two stories in height italian in design surrounded by a patch of garden in which nothing had prospered but a few coarse flowers and looked with its shuttered windows not like a house that had been deserted but like one that had never been tenanted by man northmour was plainly from home whether as usual sulking in the cabin of his yacht or in one of his fitful and extravagant appearances in the world of society i had of course no means of guessing the place had an air of solitude that daunted even a solitary like myself the wind cried in the chimneys with a strange and wailing note and it was with a sense of escape as if i were going indoors that i turned away and driving my cart before me entered the skirts of the wood the sea wood of graden had been planted to shelter the cultivated fields behind and check the encroachments of the blowing sand as you advanced into it from coastward elders were succeeded by other hardy shrubs but the timber was all stunted and bushy it led a life of conflict the trees were accustomed to swing there all night long in fierce winter tempests and even in early spring the leaves were already flying and autumn was beginning in this exposed plantation inland the ground rose into a little hill which along with the islet served as a sailing mark for seamen when the hill was open of the islet to the north vessels must bear well to the eastward to clear graden ness and the graden bullers 
in the lower ground a streamlet ran among the trees and being dammed with dead leaves and clay of its own carrying spread out every here and there and lay in stagnant pools one or two ruined cottages were dotted about the wood and according to northmour these were ecclesiastical foundations and in their time had sheltered pious hermits i found a den or small hollow where there was a spring of pure water and there clearing away the brambles i pitched the tent and made a fire to cook my supper my horse i picketed farther in the wood where there was a patch of sward the banks of the den not only concealed the light of my fire but sheltered me from the wind which was cold as well as high the life i was leading made me both hardy and frugal i never drank but water and rarely ate anything more costly than oatmeal and i required so little sleep that although i rose with the peep of day i would often lie long awake in the dark or starry watches of the night thus in graden seawood although i fell thankfully asleep by eight in the evening i was awake again before eleven with a full possession of my faculties and no sense of drowsiness or fatigue i rose and sat by the fire watching the trees and clouds tumultuously tossing and fleeing overhead and hearkening to the wind and the rollers along the shore till at length growing weary of inaction i quitted the den and strolled towards the borders of the wood a young moon buried in mist gave a faint illumination to my steps and the light grew brighter as i walked forth into the links at the same moment the wind smelling salt of the open ocean and carrying particles of sand struck me with its full force so that i had to bow my head when i raised it again to look about me i was aware of a light in the pavilion it was not stationary but passed from one window to another as though someone were reviewing the different apartments with a lamp or candle i watched it for some seconds in great surprise when i had arrived in the afternoon the house had been plainly deserted now it was as plainly occupied it was my first idea that a gang of thieves might have broken in and be now ransacking northmour's cupboards which were many and not ill supplied but what should bring thieves to great an easter and again all the shutters had been thrown open and it would have been more in the character of such gentry to close them i dismissed the notion and fell back upon another northmour himself must have arrived and was now airing and inspecting the pavilion i have said that there was no real affection between this man and me but had i loved him like a brother i was then so much more in love with solitude that i should none the less have shunned his company as it was i turned and ran for it and it was with genuine satisfaction that i found myself safely back beside the fire i had escaped an acquaintance i should have one more night in comfort in the morning i might either slip away before northmour was abroad or pay him as short a visit as i chose but when morning came i thought the situation so diverting that i forgot my shyness northmour was at my mercy i arranged a good practical jest though i knew well that my neighbour was not the man to jest with in security and chuckling beforehand over its success took my place among the elders at the edge of the wood whence i could command the door of the pavilion the shutters were all once more closed which i remember thinking odd and the house with its white walls and green venetians looked spruce and habitable in the morning light hour after hour passed and still no sign of northmour i knew him for a sluggard in the morning but as it drew onwards toward noon i lost my patience 
to say the truth i had promised myself to break my fast in the pavilion and hunger began to prick me sharply it was a pity to let the opportunity go by without some cause for mirth but the grosser appetite prevailed and i relinquished my jest with regret and sallied from the wood the appearance of the house affected me as i drew near with disquietude it seemed unchanged since last evening and i had expected it i scarce knew why to wear some external signs of habitation but no the windows were all closely shuttered the chimneys breathed no smoke and the front door itself was closely padlocked northmour therefore had entered by the back this was the natural and indeed the necessary conclusion and you may judge of my surprise when on turning the house i found the back door similarly secured my mind at once reverted to the original theory of thieves and i blamed myself sharply for my last night's inaction i examined all the windows on the lower story but none of them had been tampered with i tried the padlocks but they were both secure it thus became a problem how the thieves if thieves they were had managed to enter the house they must have got i reasoned upon the roof of the outhouse where northmour used to keep his photographic battery and from thence either by the window of the study or that of my old bedroom completed their burglarious entry i followed what i supposed was their example and getting on the roof tried the shutters of each room both were secure but i was not to be beaten and with a little force one of them flew open grazing as it did so the back of my hand i remember i put the wound to my mouth and stood for perhaps half a minute licking it like a dog and mechanically gazing behind me over the waste links in the sea and in that space of time my eyes made a note of a large schooner yacht some miles to the northeast then i threw up the window and climbed in i went over the house and nothing can express my mystification there was no sign of disorder but on the contrary the rooms were unusually clean and pleasant i found fires laid ready for lighting three bedrooms prepared with a luxury quite foreign to northmour's habits and with water in the ewers and the beds turned down a table set for three in the dining-room and an ample supply of cold meats game and vegetables on the pantry shelves there were guests expected that was plain but why guests when northmour hated society and above all why was the house thus stealthily prepared at the dead of night and why were the shutters closed and the doors padlocked i effaced all traces of my visit and came forth from the window feeling sobered and concerned the schooner yacht was still in the same place and it flashed for a moment through my mind that this might be the red earl bringing the owner of the pavilion and his guests but the vessel's head was set the other way end of section nine Read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California, shaggybark.blogspot.com.